It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, George? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. Hi guys, Alex here and welcome to the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast. Today I'm joined by the men behind the Golf Betting Club to talk all things golf betting. Joined by Neil and Duncan Campbell. How are you, fellas? Very well, thanks, Alex. Delighted to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, very well as well. Yeah, keeping me up past my bedtime. Not too happy about that, but (laughs) apart from that... (laughs) Sorry, mate. I'll, I'll let I'll let Duncan do all the work, mate. He's he's looking a bit more brighter, so we'll just we'll make sure he does all the work today. Um, exactly. That's, that's how that's how we roll, anyway. <laughs> I like you've got your own roles. Love it. Um, why don't we just start off? You guys can individually, yeah. Let me know how how you guys each got into the the betting space. I understand you guys have a yeah have a love of golf, but how did that yeah how did you turn turn golf? Uh, but your love of golf into into betting. Maybe start with you, Neil. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it all started basically from from our early childhood. Our our, our father is a was a golf journalist. He doesn't do so much of it now. Um, but he would he would basically take us along to the tournaments. Um, so it started off in Scotland, but we ended up going to to quite a few in the in the UK. And he would take us, and we, we would just absolutely love. Love going along, so that's where our passion for for watching golf started. And then, yeah, as we got a little bit older, he used to let us have a, a few pounds or dollars on on a few players each week. Uh, and I think that really got our excitement up. Um, but the more we watched it, the more we just loved learning about new players. Uh, and it it just really grew from there. Uh, we'd be watching it on the TV uh, most most weeks, and um, begging our begging our mum to get the subscription to Sky TV. <laughs> so so that we couldn't miss a shot uh, and, and that was just about it yeah we, we just absolutely love watching and betting on golf uh, and we we quickly realized we were we were quite good at it when we were both making a profit and we decided to to turn it into a business um during covid in june 2020 yeah nice so this is this is your both your full-time job just watching and betting on golf the whole time are you guys betting on any other sports we do a bit of football betting as well. Uh, we've got like other interests as well, but like yeah, we, we dabble in a bit of football. Neil probably more so than me uh, in terms of football betting. But yeah, like that you know, if tennis comes around and it's Wimbledon season, we'll we'll obviously you know have a look at other sports as well. But really, with golf being pretty much a full year calendar in terms of uh, competitions and events, I think there's only maybe like three or four weeks of the year where there's not a golf tournament that you can bet on. Um, so it's pretty much a, a kind of all year round sport. Uh, so it keeps us pretty busy. And with obviously the, the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour and now Live uh, Golf yeah. coming along as well, we, we, we're pretty much snowed under with golf. Uh, so it's, there's plenty to keep us busy. So it's um, it's, it's good. It's, you know, it's, it's great to have so many events to, to constantly bet on. Uh, and there's always an angle or an opportunity to make some money. Yeah, I know you guys are already covering the yeah, PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. So do you think, you know, maybe going into next year or, or later this year, you'll be expanding to to live also? I, I don't know if that you guys would have the time to do that also. But, yeah, are you looking to do that? Yeah, funnily enough, we just put out a live uh, preview this week uh, for the first time. We, we've kind of like, we, I went to the first one in London 
uh, and I was impressed with the setup. Not so much the golf at that first event in London, uh, but I've kind of watched from afar uh, at, the, at the next few events, and I, I thought the the quality of the golf has improved enormously. And it's now becoming an event that's probably quite good to bet on, uh, being a shorter nature, uh, you know, 54 holes. And a shotgun start means that it's it's over uh, within four or five hours each day. Uh, whereas a traditional event, you'll be watching it, you know, for a good eight, nine hours. So from a betting point of view, it's actually quite an interesting prospect. Uh, and we did our first preview this week. Uh, and we'll probably put out some tips later on tonight or in the morning uh, and really start looking to getting into live, I think. Yeah, nice. No, I mean, being a, I guess, a different format, it's, uh, it's, it's a kind of a good scenario for sports betters, isn't it? It's to, uh, yeah, find where a different edge could be, considering it's yeah, shorter tournament, maybe some different rules in place. Or I don't, there's not a cut, is there either? So I guess that you know adds in some other things that you guys can factor into your betting that maybe the market won't pick up on for the first few tournaments. So yeah. Hopefully yeah, that goes well for you. Sorry to add to that, Alex. If you if you look at the winners of the first few live events, we've seen quite a few shocks already. Um, so it's a completely different type of golf. I spoke to Duncan quite a lot about it, and um, motivation is a massive factor, and you've got to you've got to factor that in. Sometimes the the betting market favourites may not may not just have the desire to win that they would do in the PGA Tour. So that might be a reason why we're seeing some some larger prices so it's definitely there's definitely a lot of potential from from a betting angle yeah our, our good mate smithy over here is being paid some serious <laughs> coins so i think you'd uh, you'd probably lose a little bit of uh yeah drive when you uh when you know you're going to be getting that money on the table so yeah no it'll be it'll be such a uh yeah such an interesting yeah process to see how it all how it all works out um all right, fellas, just to talk about, yeah, you'll be like your process for finding value in the markets. I haven't got your exact figures with me at the moment, but I understand you guys have been doing, you know, 30% ROI, something around that for the last uh, two, three years with um, with your service through Premier Sports Plays. Um, what is your what is your process for finding value? You guys, I mean, there's lots of different ways you can do it, modelling, you know, through data. Um, maybe you're just, you know, using your eyes to do a bit of player or tournament analysis, these kind of things. What, what's, what's your guys' process? I think we both kind of approach it in slightly different ways. Um, for me, it's quite player-focused. Um, and I'll look at, for example, a lot of quotes and a lot of interviews um, of players that I'm interested in. Uh, and then I'll kind of move on towards the stats and start looking at, you know, who's striking the ball well, who's not striking the ball well. Um, you, you know, particularly you look at the challenge for that week. So if the course for that week, you know, demands accuracy off the tee, for example, I'll start focusing in on players who are accurate off the tee uh, rather than, you know, players who maybe are a bit wayward off the tee. Um, and, and then I'll kind of look at, you know, where the value starts to lie, you know, who who has proven that they can uh, go, you know, cross the finishing line. I think you often see in golf uh, people selecting players at short prices who maybe their stats are absolutely fantastic but you know when it comes to Sunday and it comes to to the pressure cooker atmosphere that you know they can't cope they can't cross the finish line um, and, and we are kind of reluctant to take those prices um, and if you go on our website you'll see that we've created player profiles uh, for over 150 different players uh, analyzing how they are in contention you know who copes well with pressure and who doesn't um, 
So I, I'm particularly focused on the players. Um, Neil maybe takes a slightly different approach, um, but together we kind of you know come as one, and, and each brings our separate angle, and we kind of agree on selections together. But yeah, Neil, maybe you've you've got some some different thoughts that how you do it. Yeah, it just it just kind of alternates every week. Like every week, I tend to be looking for something different. Um, in general, I'm quite a big believer in in form and. Uh, and look to see look to see it trending in the right direction. In particular, you know the key stats, you know the, the strokes gain, tee to green um, approach, and off the tee, um, and like to see the form coming together. But there there is weeks where that's not the case, and that's what our previews um, are designed to do. Every week we we do the preview, uh, and we're looking to see exactly what we're looking for. Um, and for example, this week, um, the start of the PGA Tour recent form isn't isn't that big a factor um in history um so every week it changes and you've just got to you've got to be adaptive to to what to what the event requires um so i wouldn't put one thing on it for any event yeah how, how do you guys start off your week because i imagine <clears throat> if you decided to go through and price up every single golfer on the tournament they're playing it would it would just be an absolute nightmare so you guys yeah, are you guys looking at the prices first and then going from there or before you look at the prices you're doing, you might be looking at a few certain players and thinking, all right, there's a good chance that this guy's going to be value in the market because I can, you know, with my own betting or, you know, any other person's betting, you can kind of, you can, you can see maybe just like a good example is football or whatever. You can see that, you know, let's just say Manchester United had a, had a, had a one nil victory on the weekend. They looked they looked pretty terrible, but they but they got the win. You know that next weekend maybe the market might just favor them a little too much because you know maybe they're not a great team, but they still got the victory. So the market would be like, oh, you know, they're going pretty good. Um, do you have any of those? Is it like that, or are you guys, um, I guess, looking at the prices first and then going from there? I think it's a little bit of both. I know that's a kind of a, kind of a non-answer, but <laughs> I think like before the start of the week, you'll you'll set prices in your in your mind for certain players. Uh, and when the odds then come out, you, you look to react to that accordingly. Um, like you say, you know, there's over 100 players in a field every week. Um, and you're probably saying that, you know, maybe, maybe a third to a half of those players probably can't win the event that particular week. Um, so really you're looking at around about half the field that you're, that you're interested in. Um, and, and you'll look to kind of, Put a rough price against them in your head, I suppose, uh, and then when the odds come out on Odds Checker, you know you quite often get a large uh, disparity in, in terms of the odds from the different bookmakers. Um, it's not quite like uh, other sports, uh, like like football, for example, where you know you've got leagues, you've got something to measure uh, against. Uh, every golf tournament is completely different. Uh, every player's obviously got you know different qualities and different characteristics, um, so. It kind of varies from week to week. But yeah, I think that when the odds come out on Odds Checker, you'll often see some prices that definitely stand out and you think, you know, he shouldn't be priced at that level. That's that's completely wrong. Uh, or, or alternatively, you know, a player looks far too short uh, and, and you think, you know, I can't touch that. Um, and I think the other thing worth saying is you can also compare them with the players roundabout. Um, so you can look at two players, for example, who might be priced up at the same price. Maybe it's 50 to one. And you can say that you know he maybe should be 
you know, 33 to one and the other guy should be 66 to one. Mm. And, and, you know, it might be that both the prices are wrong uh, or conversely, you know, you do think that one of them is 50 to one and the other one is the wrong price. Um, so just by comparing players often, you can find a bit of value uh, and, and that's quite often a good indicator of a, a wrong price. Yeah, and are you guys working separately throughout the week or are you in constant communication uh, with each other? Yeah, yeah we're, we're pretty much talking all through the week, um, especially because we do the pre-event tips and in-play tips. Um, so what tends to happen is we, we both do a preview each for the one for the DP World Tour and one for the PGA Tour. Um, but we, we, we also both look at the selections um, for both events and then we bring the arguments to each other, and uh, and sometimes we have a bit of a butt off, and uh, <laughs> someone's got to concede by the end because you can't pick them all. But um, but 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 usually one of us makes a, a convincing enough argument um, that that we can make a, a solid enough compromise, uh, and, and and more often than not we are on the same page. Yeah. Have you guys uh, ever have one that one of you really liked, but the other one just refused to have it on the tips for that week, and it won? <laughs> I think there must have been there must have been one or two, but there's definitely Tom, been a few Tom, that have placed. Tom Hoagie springs to mind. Tom Hoagie, yeah, yeah, there's one. Yeah, Tom, 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 I was I was massively against a guy called Tom Hoagie uh, earlier on in the year. I just didn't rate him. Didn't didn't like him under um, in contention. I just thought he was consistently short in the betting, uh, and he was being rated far too highly. Uh, and Neil was of the opposite opinion, uh, and then Tom Hoagie obviously obviously went and won. Uh, and, <laughs> and then Neil, uh, Neil gave me pelters for it. I, th I think, sorry to button again, I, th I think that is one of our key differences um, between me and Duncan. I think Duncan is very he heavily focused on, he likes to know that someone has been there and done that and um, got over the line. Um, but I'm more of the opinion that I think if they're trending towards it and that even if they've been in contention and, and not gone on to win, I, I, I see it more as a learning experience and every time they get closer and closer. So I think we slightly differ on that aspect. Um, and, yeah. I, and on that time, it did cost us. But uh, on, the, <laughs> on the whole, it's a successful... Uh, no, yeah. no I, I, I would... About that, though, I would say that um, if, if the price is right, then I don't mind taking a gamble. Um, so if you're backing someone at, let's say, 33 to 1, I want to know that the player uh, can cope with the pressure and is able to to convert if he gets himself into a good a good winning opportunity. If you're backing someone at you know 100 to one, 150 to one, I'm prepared to take the chance that you know he might he might or he might not be able to cope with the pressure. But you've got a big enough price there to make it worth your while. But when yeah. you're down the front of the betting in a golf tournament, I don't want to I don't want to take short prices on guys that 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 I know that might struggle. Yeah, I think overall, your guys like you're going to have an advantage against most golf betters by working together because I mean, a lot of people are just doing this by themselves. And, and if you're just working by yourself the whole time, you're going to have, you know, your own opinions, your own biases. You're never going to really be challenged that much. Yeah, you might be great, but I, I'm a true believer in that. Like, let's just say individually, you both had like a 15% a ROI on the golf if you just work. To, you know by yourselves but you you know being able to bring that knowledge together and being able to debate certain topics um you know and be challenged constantly it's only going to help your guys betting and, and take those like let's just say individual rois of 15 percent and and i believe that 
if you guys work together, even if you work together and you brought in a couple of other guys and, and got their opinions every now and then, I, I just, I think, I think there's a, it's, it's similar to like the, the, I guess you can call it the closing line in football or whatever. Like if uh, that, that closing line at Pinnacle Sports, it, it incorporates all the information of the, the wisdom of the crowd, if you want to call it that. So if you're able to to beat that line, you're going to be profitable long term. And I guess it's the same of having a wisdom of a couple of people in, in golf betting. So I wondered whether you guys talk constantly or whether you guys like formed your own opinions beforehand and then and then brought that together. But it's it's interesting that you guys are yeah always talking to each other and yeah comparing opinions. There yeah, are massive think- disagreements. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you've just talked about there, having two two of us instead of one, I think when it when it's really important is when the chips are down and when it's not going well for us. Um, golf betting is notoriously hard to land uh, to land a winner, um, and sometimes you can go weeks without even landing a place. Um, so when when you do go on runs like that, I think it's great that we we do have each other to support and we we don't get too negative. If if one of us is feeling a bit low about it, we can pick each other up. And I, I really think that is a, a strong factor that, make, that keeps us successful, um, especially this year, which we might go on to talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got some questions about you, uh, yeah, how you guys are going this year, because I think it's, um, I think the emotional side of golf betting is, is probably for me at least the most interesting. I mean, for someone that bets on. Uh, MMA for a living. I only have to be stressed out for like 15 minutes, sometimes only <laughs> even one minute, but uh, I couldn't imagine being stressed out for four days. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk about that um, that later. But do you guys, uh, more questions just about the golf market in general. Do you, how, do you, how do you guys think that, that the market is built from a from a bookmaker's perspective? Are we thinking it's completely data-driven at the moment or do you think like you guys incorporate, you know, kind of more not out, I wouldn't say outside of the box factors but you know those kind of um those softer factors that that aren't really thought about too much about you know a, a player's emotional state how they cope in the final days of a tournament do you think these kind of factors are incorporated into the bookmakers prices or do you think it's just completely data driven at least to begin with I think there's a couple of different answers uh to this one I I think that when you see a player that has very obvious uh, recent form and very obvious course course form, I think the bookmakers uh, naturally take a safe position on on that particular player because they know that the casual golf better will probably buy the race and post. They'll probably look and see, uh, you know, who's in form, who's had a couple of good results recently. Oh, he's played this course before and he's had a bit of success. So yeah, I like I like to look at him. So I, I think that for those kind of players that are good form and um, well, though good course form and good recent form, I think they take a cautious approach with those players. Then I think there's certain players that are priced according to stats. Uh, so they may not have the obvious recent form. Uh, they may not have the obvious course form, but the stats are showing uh, that they're they're playing really nicely. And again, I think the bookies will take a position with some of those players regardless of of whether or not uh, they might have won before, you know, they've got potential. I think that they'll take a position just based on the fact that they're striking the ball nicely and they think that a good result will therefore be coming soon. Um, and then I think there, there are a lot of players near the back of the market that the bookmakers don't spend a lot of time uh, pricing up 
I think when you look at the, when the odds come out on Odds Checker uh, on a Monday Monday afternoon or Monday evening, I think you see that towards the back of the market, up some of the prices vary enormously. You know, it could be double, treble the price, uh, uh, even quadruple the price in some situations. Uh, uh, as bookmakers can vary enormously. Uh, at the back of the field because they just tend to pay less attention to those players mm. and they'll just chalk them up at, at kind of any old random figure. Um, so I think there's lots of value to be had near the back of the market um, because I don't think the bookmakers pay all that much attention to it, to be honest. Yeah, do you think there's a little bit of copy and paste too from certain bookmakers? Like, Do you think there's a, a market leader at all? I mean, obviously, Betfair is probably going to be the best to go off. But early in the week, oh, I'm not too sure. I'd have to – I don't really look at the golf market too earlier in the week, but uh, I assume there wouldn't be as much, you know, liquidity earlier in the week. So when these soft bookies are coming out with their prices – is there is there anyone that's actually you think got some reasonably sharp prices and that, that the market kind of follows? I I think it's normally Bet three six five um, over here. Yeah. Um, they yeah. tend to be the first ones out, and you quite often notice, and you, you know it's a copy and paste job sometimes because sometimes when they don't get their odds out by say early afternoon. No one does. Um, so if, but if, they, if they're out by 11 a.m., then everyone's usually out by lunchtime or an hour after it. So there definitely is an element of that. But you've got to also factor in that each bookmaker is now offering different places um, and the each way to terms. And I don't know what it's like over where you are, Alex, but um, in, in the major weeks, we can get, or well, we can now get up to 12 to 14 places. Um, but in general, um, for a PG Tour event, you can get anywhere from five, six, seven, eight places. Um, so it's changing all the time and it's a very competitive market space um, for the bookmakers to try and try and attract our business. Yeah, I mean, over here, it's only really two bookmakers that I know of, Sportsbet, and, which is basically Paddy Power or Bet, Betfair Sportsbook um, for you guys and also Bet365. So, yeah, unfortunately, none of the books over here really have the each way thing going it's all just yeah win only or top five top ten these kind of things so yeah it's a it's a if, if you want to be betting on golf, i'm not sure what it's like in the u.s but um yeah definitely in the uk it's, it's a great place to to be betting on golf from is there are you guys like I ever, that, sorry i was just gonna say i think the other thing maybe to add about odds is that uh, a lot of the bookmakers will put out prices on a monday and they'll they'll take relatively small sums um from the sharps and that'll that'll frame their market. You know, they will see that they've made a mistake with you know X player, and they'll very quickly you know they'll, they'll take twenty quid, fifty quid, whatever it might be, uh, and and get the price slashed pretty quickly uh, on that player. And I think the other thing to say is that there's probably several tipsters who, who move the market quite significantly here in the UK. Uh, and if one of those tipsters puts up a certain player, then the price on that player can half you know within the space of a couple of hours. Mm. Um, just because the bookmakers just don't want to take the action for, on that one player uh, from, from the general public. So, um, yeah, it, like it, it does vary. And I think that all the bookmakers tend to kind of, by, by the time it gets to Wednesday, a lot of the prices have, have all become the same, um, mm. give or take for the each way places that Neil mentioned. Yeah. Are you, so you guys put out your bets on a Wednesday. Are you guys ever looking at, the exchange, you know, Betfair exchange, you know, maybe Thursday morning or something like that and seeing and kind of comparing the prices you've given out to what's on the exchange and thinking, all right, I think 
we've locked in a pretty good price there. We've obviously got some value there. Are you guys just not really concerned with with where the market closes at all? I personally think that exchange is a good indication of whether the price the price is right or not. But again, if we are best in each way, whether it's five places or eight places, and the Betfair exchange market is only win only, and then then it's it's really not a true reflection of the each way price. Um, so it's definitely something to take note of, and I, th- I think it's it's definitely not a bad thing if if the price is coming in on the exchange for a selection you like. Um, but in general, we we, we are betting each way, um, so we are looking at the prices given for that. Yeah, I have noticed that they've got an each way market up there now. I think it's like ten places or or something like that. So you, have you guys looked at that at all? Yeah, they they do have the each way ten places, but it's, the liquidity is just not there, um, and uh, there's just, there's just not an awful lot of value there. To be honest, if you compare the each way ten places on the exchange market versus, say, Skybet, I, um, a UK bookmaker that offers ten places, generally what you'll find is the odds are higher at Skybet than the exchange. So there's just I just don't feel like there's enough liquidity there um, to justify it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what's what's your guys' experience with with getting limited on you know various bookmakers with golf? Because I mean, it's something that's going to happen eventually if you're a profitable sports better. But it's it's a it's a funny it's a completely different sport really to any other sport because you know it's if I was a trader, I could see so quickly if someone was good at you know a profitable football better rugby better you know, these kind of sports where there's clear indicators to see if someone's sharp or not. But with golf, it's not really as clear. You can only really use, or at least I thought, uh, I think, is that you can only really use profit and loss. So, um, yeah, if you, let's just say, you know, you open up a new account, maybe a couple of weeks you don't get a winner, but then on your third or fourth week you get a huge winner. Is it just like you know one big win and you're gone most of the time, or do they are they happy to kind of play around with you a little bit and, and give you a little bit of leeway because it is very hard for them, I would assume, to to see if you guys are are profitable or not just because there's so much variance. I think it depends firstly on the bookmaker uh, and secondly on what what you're doing, I suppose, what type of betting you're doing. Um, so in terms of what bookmaker, um, there's some bookmakers that will literally one big win and that's you going, uh, you know, there's no, there's no two ways about it. You're down to, you know, five pence max stakes and that's the end of it. Um, there's some bookmakers that will give you a bit more leeway and, and you can get, get, you know, uh, a, a good bit on them for a, a, a decent while before you get cut off. Um, but the one that they all seem to hate is in play betting, um, you know, if you if you bet and play and you get a winner on the first week, your your account will be pretty much gone for ninety percent of bookmakers. I would say uh, they really don't like and play betting at all. Uh, that's that's something that they're that will get your account you know closed pretty quickly. Um, so it's a constant juggling act. I think is is trying to get an account that you can you can keep open for long enough to enjoy and you know get some profit out of it. Um, it's it's definitely difficult, but. Yeah, one certainly for some bookmakers, you open an account and it's it, by the time you filled out all the the online application, registered your card, you may, may as well not have bothered because uh, you're, you're banned just as quick. Yeah, I can assume it must be a bit of a nightmare for you guys because you guys do rely on soft bookies quite a lot. Are you, 
have you guys experimented at all with exchanges and seeing if your betting works through there by you know placing on the win market and also the top five because most of the time you're going to get better odds on the exchange for the win but it's very hard to get similar uh terms i guess for top five yeah i mean sometimes we have to turn to the exchange um one of one of the reasons we started golf betting club is because we were so frustrated that we couldn't get some of the prices that that, that we we knew were value um, but we were limited in, in quite a lot of accounts. So we thought, let's start this and we we, we can make other people make money as well. Um, but yeah, there's just, it's, it's a very frustrating um, thing. When, when we, we've been betting on golf for just under 20 years now. And um, as you can imagine, uh, we've burned through quite a lot of accounts. Um, so for us for us to um, maintain a, a bookmaker's account for for any any longevity that that can create us value is quite difficult, um, and we've quite quite often been known to have to use some contacts here and there, <laughs> as you do. Uh, yeah, yeah. You've just, got, you've just got to do do what you can to try and to try and get the value when it's there, um, and, that, and that's what we look to do. But it's, it's nice now we can offer it out to other people. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good way of I guess yeah counteracting the the problem of losing your accounts. Is is that I always wondered this with golf. Is it similar to other markets where you get big name golfers? So, you know, your Rory McElroy's. I mean, I'm not, I don't follow golf too heavily, but I assume he's probably one of the bigger names, at least over here. Cameron Smith, these kind of guys. Are these, are these guys commonly overpriced? Because I guess recreational betters, if they're going to just have a bet here and there, they're probably going to, you know, bet the, bet one of the favorites or their favorite golfer. Um, you know, coming into that tournament. Is that common in golf too, that a lot of the, the big-name golfers are overpriced? I I would say so, Alex. Uh, if you look at, if you look at this week, um, Rory McIlroy was playing in the Italian Open um, at, the, at the course that's, that's going to be host to the Ryder Cup next year. And the course is absolutely made for Rory McIlroy's game. And, and we were seeing odds of, you know, three or four to one this week. And that's just, it's just, just not viable. And another one that, and another one that we 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 tend to see over in the UK is that UK golfers um, get priced up uh, lower just because you know the recreational gambler over here is going to back you know their favourite yeah, yeah. whether it used to be Ian Poulter or Lee Westwood back in the day or or now the likes of Tyrrell Hatton and Rory and um, so you will often see um, the overseas players priced a little bit more uh, you know better than the the like the likes of the UK guys. Yeah, I, I always like it when you guys send through bets for Australians because I know that at least those ones will sneak under the radar because they'll think uh, I'm just having a pun <laughs> on the Aussie. So I'm always happy when I see you guys send out some some Australian fellas. Um, how many selections are you guys looking at each week? Is it do you have a rule of how many you know uh, golfers you want to be betting on, or do you do you ever kind of feel the pressure to put out a few certain number of selections because? I, you know, it's such a, it's such a variant, you know, such a variant sport. I assume at times you're a little bit worried that, you know, I could, you know, select maybe five to 10 guys and they all lose or, you know, none of them even get a place. So is there any kind of certain number of bets or, you know, outright picks that you guys are trying to include in each week's tips? No, I don't think so. I think it varies from event to event. Um, you know, you you look at what what that event uh, dictates. You you look to see if there's value, 
you know, and you you kind of set your your stall out from there, your staking plan from there. Um, really, like I, I can think of maybe a handful of events where we've selected less than five golfers. Um, I think generally five will be our minimum uh, kind of number, unless it's like a, a small field event. So, for example, the Tournament of Champions uh, on the PGA Tour has you know thirty to forty golfers, in it. Uh, and to go with you know more than five golfers would maybe be a bit of an overkill. Um, but generally, in a, a normal PGA Tour or DP World Tour event, I think really we're looking between six, six and eight golfers, uh, and it's there's maybe been a handful of times where we've gone up to maybe like nine. I don't think we've ever gone to 10, um, but certainly like eight or nine would be about the maximum number of golfers. But but really, you know, if there's a week where there's plenty of value and the, the outsiders and you can maybe get eight or nine guys at 100 to one plus, it's worth sometimes just rolling the dice on those those longer plays uh, and trying to get a big winner. Um, whereas some weeks, like the BMW PGA last week uh, is a good example where the, the favourites or, or the lower odds guys generally prevail. And you probably want to have at least a couple of, of guys who are at the front of the market in your in your staking plan, just because you know that that kind of event demands uh, a player of real real top quality. Uh, and, and you want someone that's, you know, maybe 20 to 1, 30 to 1 or less uh, at, at the front of your staking plan. So it, it kind of varies from week to week. Um, there's no kind of set, set limit. Yeah. It just depends where you the value. Yeah, and I guess you guys can vary up your staking too. So even if one week you went crazy and picked twenty guys, you could uh, you could almost, if you wanted to, half your stakes on each of them. So you're uh, yeah, you're not over, you know, putting too much risk into into one tournament. Um, how are you guys working out the each way markets? This is like my most yeah, uh, I guess my biggest interest in how you guys go about your business um, is is working out. I guess the difference between backing a guy. Let's just say, yeah, one fifth of the price for eight places, or one fourth of the price for for five or six places, something like that. Um, it, how hard is it to judge whether there's more value in, yeah, someone with the five places example compared to the to the eight places? And and if you guys have done any kind of like, I don't know, mathematical deep dive to see if there is like a, a general best way to approach, you know, your each way betting. Yeah, like, there are calculations out there. I think, though, the way that we generally approach it is we we look at the player that we're selecting and what we want from that particular player. Um, so depending on uh, the odds and the, and the player profile that we're looking at, we're either looking at them for predominantly a win uh, and an each way would be nice, or we're looking for the each way return as the main factor and the win as the bonus. Um, so really, that that's... For, well, for me anyway, maybe Neil feels differently, but w- when I'm selecting plays and, and if I'm talking to, to someone uh, about each way place terms, in my mind, I'm thinking, what do I want from this player? Am I really wanting that win? Uh, and, and that's what I'm going for with this bet. Or am I wanting the each way place? And, and in which case, I want more each way places. Um, and that's how I generally approach it. So I'm just thinking I could be completely wrong here, but if you're, I guess if you're you're trying to find golfers who are like you literally just betting on them, like you said, just because you think they'll get an each way, you know, they'll place in the, in the top eight or top five, whatever it is. Um, do you think that like potentially by putting money on the on the win also you're losing a bit of expected value there, or do you, do you think that's kind of just like the 
I don't know, the insurance you have to pay to make sure you're locking in like a, a, a really good price there for your top eight, top five, top ten, whatever the each way terms are. I think it's, I don't think it's a loss in expected value because I think when we are selecting players, we're, we're not we're not selecting guys who, who can only get the each way. I think that we're we're selecting guys who have the potential to win, but the each way is really the kind of that's the that's the kind of thing that you expect from them. If you're selecting a guy a hundred to one, if he goes on and gets the win, fantastic. If mm. but really when you're looking at a player, you know that kind of level of odds. Really for me, I'm looking at the each way place. Uh, and if he can go on and get the win, you know, fantastic. Um, if I if I want him in a different market, you know, if I think he can't win, so there's maybe some golfers who can't, or, or I don't think can win. So like Cam Tringale, <laughs> Cam Tringale Tom, was a Tom Hoagie. <laughs> Tom, Tom Hoagie. <laughs> so like Cam Tringale was a good example before he went to live. Like Cam Tringale was a guy who had regularly post top 20 finishes, top 10 finishes on the PGA Tour. But he just could not get a win on the PGA Tour. He couldn't cut it on a Sunday. Uh, and if I ever wanted to back Cameron Tringali, uh, which I wouldn't because his odds were always disgracefully short, but if I ever did want to back Cameron Tringali, it would have been you know in the top 10 market or the top 20 market. Um, and, and I wouldn't have played him in the each-way market because I didn't think that that win aspect was there. Uh, and, and that's not the right market to play him in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It all it all makes sense. I think. Um, I guess people might ask, like, why don't you just? If you think you know the main reason you're betting on someone's because of the each way terms, then why wouldn't you just back them? You know, top five or top ten. But at the other end of the, the scale, if you do think they're going to win too, and 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 the price is going to be much bigger if you back them on the each way, then yeah, it it, it kind of makes sense does it does it get a little bit crazy though with some of these other i mean i've seen on uh, on bet365 you can you can do like alternate uh each way terms i think yeah i think yesterday for i couldn't believe i was just having a look around i wasn't gonna you know bet on it or anything but some of these golfers were offering something like 14 places at like one tenth of the i mean i could be i could be exaggerating here but like at that point, does it get a little bit too much where your each way terms or the, the place terms are just so um, unattractive at that point because you're getting one-tenth of the price or whatever the terms are? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely made our, our job a lot more time-consuming with all those new <laughs> markets and places that have opened up. It's not as straightforward anymore as just clicking on odds checker and, and comparing all the bookmakers because now we've got to dive into the website and see what odds they're offering on each each places um so yeah definitely definitely as a factor for me though i would always favor if, if the price was the same um, i would always favor the more places for a fifth of the odds rather than say a quarter for five places if the price was the same but that's something you've got to factor up i think it just comes from experience really there, there might be a math mathematical equation out there but in general you you begin to get a, a feel for which which places and which you know where the value is uh, and that's generally I, th I think we're fairly good at that but yeah definitely is time consuming with all the new places out there yeah and 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 following your tips why, why don't you guys bet more regularly outside of the outright markets like you know matchups nationalities these kind of things do you think it's just your style of betting or maybe there's not as much value in those other markets i think for me it's the we operate a service that encompasses, uh, well, UK clients, American clients, uh, and clients from from elsewhere as well. Um, 
And the tricky thing that we've found in the last couple of years is trying to find uh, markets where everyone can can bet on. Um, obviously, everyone can get the outright market. Most people can get the first round leader market. Um, but outside of that, then you've got all kinds of different variations and uh, restrictions on what people can and can't bet on. Um, so I think at the start we, we used to you know fire out bets uh, like match bets for example of you know X player to beat Y player at let's say bet three six five, and then you know you get uh, you get messages from people saying oh you know I can't get that bet I live in uh, you know Canada or or whatever you know someone is from, uh, and then you're you're kind of it's great for the people that can get the bet but then you're almost alienating the people who can't get the bet, uh, and they feel kind of ostracised from the group. Um, so we've we've tried to keep it to the markets that everyone can get access to. Um, I think quite often what we've done on Telegram is we'll, if if there's a bet that we really like in a market that we're not sure people can get, we'll generally put it out as a lean. So we'll say that you know um, there was a good example a few months ago where Marcel Seam on the European tour uh, was coming back to play an event, and he posted on Instagram and said that. You know, he hadn't been able to practice. He was literally just turning up to the event cold, uh, having had seven weeks out injured, and he was just going to see how it went. And, you know, we put up a post on our um, on our Telegram group saying, you know, we know that Marcel seems injured. He's probably going to pre- play pretty badly in the first round. Um, and if you can get any bets on him to oppose him, um, I think SpreadX were the bookmaker in the UK who were offering bets against him. Uh, you know, if you can get an, if you can get a bet on with SpreadX, then you know oppose them uh, in the first round, but then uh, that's just kind of potluck as to if you've got an account with Spreadex, uh, mm-hmm. and, and if you're based outside of the UK, you might not have that option, or you might not have a bookmaker that, that offers you that. Um, so it's it's one of those ones. I think that as markets start to open up in other territories, I think that that offers us more scope to do bets in different markets, uh, and that's definitely something that we want to do as the markets open up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, uh, I guess, one of those sports where you can, you if you really like one player uh, and you think they present value in the each way market, for example, they're probably going to present value in a number of other markets. So you can really hone down on them a, a, as long as, you know, you're not overstaking or anything and, and put too much risk out there. Um, emotions of, of golf betting. This is uh, one topic I'm very excited to talk about because I don't know how you guys <laughs> deal with it. Um yeah, how do you how do you guys manage your time during the week and and I guess the emotions given the the length of these tournaments? I, I, I like I said before, I couldn't think of anything worse than watching a bet <laughs> that I place on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday morning, and I'm not going to find out whether it's going to win or lose until until Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, and I have to watch four days of, of seeing this thing if it's gonna, if it's going to win or not. And I know because uh, I know you guys are watching, you know, watching every day the, the golf tournament. So you're, you're basically, I mean, spending what I would call four stressful days in a row. Maybe you got, you know, uh, maybe you guys have gotten used to it by now. <laughs> I didn't used to have grey hair when I started doing this. Yeah, exactly, mate. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> it, it is difficult. I think um I think it's one of those ones that it's it's it, the shot itself, you know, a golfer a golfer's shot will take, you know, a couple of seconds. But like you say, the whole sport or the or watching it will take hours and hours and hours. Um but those those couple of seconds where they got you know, maybe a putt, for example, to win the tournament. 
you know that that for us is is fantastic. The adrenaline uh, in those moments is is incredible. And like for me, there's no other sport like golf. Um, you know, football is great, and and the other live sports that that might go on are great. But golf for me is just fantastic. Just those moments of um, sheer, you know, the, the highs and the lows. I think in golf are bigger than any other sport that I can think of. Um, and and for me, it's it's just I'm addicted to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i uh, if there's a selection coming through on the last day I, I normally wake up uh and there's maybe like an hour or two left in the tournament so if one of the selections is looking good i might tune in for like the last couple of holes and and that is just the most painful time of my life because it just takes forever mate it takes forever i don't know how you guys do it i'm a very impatient person so watching like the last you know, even like a playoff, you know, seeing them tie a couple of holes, go to the, oh, it's just, it's just, it's just so painful. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's called, uh, it's called value for money, Alex. With, with football, you only get 90 minutes of the, the, the highs and lows. I know. But, uh, with, with golf, you've got four days of it and uh, oh, we wouldn't change it for the world. For fair. There's, a, there's actually a video out there of uh, we, our our first win of the season came at the this one of the events in Saudi, and one of the players, Harold Varner, he he chipped in on the last hole, um, to win it. And funnily enough, I was, I, I don't actually know. I think I was videoing the the shot just for a friend because he was out at the time and he wanted to know what was happening. I didn't, I wasn't expecting it to go in, but there was a there was a bit of a reaction in that video. Let's say it's, it's surfacing somewhere on on Twitter <laughs> and YouTube. So uh, you can you can maybe try and find that one. But I think that describe uh shows perfectly the emotions in golf <laughs> yeah 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 oh, i can only imagine mate um but I, I guess like one of the advantages you guys have if you guys are willing to to put in the time and and watch all of these tournaments is it gives you probably uh, a, a big advantage in the in-play market like we were kind of discussing earlier i mean it's there's no doubt that the the, the bookmakers are not going to be watching the top. I would assume that that the, their in play prices are going to be completely data driven for the most part. So, considering that they're going to limit you a lot more frequently if you're betting on in play winners, that normally means that there's greater value, or at least they're not paying as much attention to those markets. So, are you guys? Do you guys think there is a greater edge in the in play market? I think there can be. I think um, you know, depending on if you're if you're on the ball uh, and, and you're paying attention, you, you can you can pick up some great value uh, golf betting. You know, if for example, let's say you you want to bet on uh, the first round leader market, for example, you know that's going on today. That's topical. Um, if a player hits a shot to within like two foot, he's got a tap in putt for an eagle. Uh, you know, he's going to catapult himself up the leaderboard. Um, generally, the bookmakers will will take a little bit of time to react to that, uh, and, and if you're on the ball, you can you can be in there and you know make sure you get that bet on before the bookmakers have a chance to react to the fact uh, that he's going to hold the putt. Um, you know, because quite often, if if a player is hit it with inside uh, inside five foot, you know you you make the putt a lot of the time, um, and, and you can you can almost back the price before the putt has even gone in, and the scoreboard has changed to reflect that. Mm. Um, to reflect that, that ego is going to happen. Um, obviously, like bookmakers are now a bit more, you know, uh, savvy to that, and their systems, you know, will reflect if a player hits it close, um, that they'll be able to adjust the price. But yeah, you do have a certain amount of time uh, to get on and and back a player. So I certainly think there is good value 
um, in play. But I certainly think that there's there's value to be had pre-event as well. You know, just looking around all the different markets that the bookmakers offer. Um, I think there's now so many markets in the UK, especially that just by looking around the markets, uh, you can certainly get some value. Because when they don't have the prices to compare against each other, like they do in the outright market, um, you know, maybe if it's a, a match bet, for example, where there's not a lot of um, similar match bets available, maybe it's two players that that bookmaker uh, has selected and no other bookmaker has got those players up against each other. They've got nothing else to benchmark it against. Um, and you can sometimes get a bit of value there in the pre-event markets as well. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting thing. That, uh, I mean, if you guys are doing all the work, watching all the watching all the you know every day, like it's a it's a huge edge that you guys yeah must be able to form against the market because yeah, like I said, there's probably not as many people betting and and watching every single thing that's going on. Um, now to the juicy stuff. For most of this year, you guys ha- were running at a loss, and it was only recently that you guys, you know, turned things around. How how challenging was that period? Because yeah, like I said before, this is it's almost like your whole life. You know, you're probably spending like Monday to to Wednesday thinking about the next tournaments and coming out with selections, and then you spend the next four days watching and sweating all these all these uh, all these tournaments. So I can imagine that, you know, if you're running at a loss for, oh, what was it, maybe seven, eight months of the year, you're, um, it can become all encompassing. And, uh, you know, you guys have got each other to, to fall back on and have a chat with every now and then. But I, yeah, what, how challenging was that period for both of you? Yeah, so it's, it's incredibly frustrating when that happens. Um, I mean, we put a lot of, a lot of time into what we do. Uh, and I think the fact that we, we, we started this in 2020 and the success in the first two years was, I think I think we almost set the bar too high in the first two years. And uh, it's, it's, it's been hard to match that. But it's just felt like this year um, has been a bit of a, the breaks, let's just say, haven't been going our way until recently. And we're starting to see that, you know, the guys that, the guys that would normally fall out of the places on the last day these things are starting to go our way. And I think over the course of a year, that tends to happen. It's like, it's like if you look at football, when a manager uh, complains about how, um, about the penalties that they're getting against them, um, <laughs> but it always evens itself out. That's, that's the phrase. It tends to always even itself out. Um, but no, it, it has been a hard year. And I spoke earlier, it's been, it's been good that we do it together because some, sometimes you do think, what is the point? Why am I doing this? Why am I putting in all this time and getting no breaks? Um, but no, no, you stick with the process. And I think that's been the, the key to, to the comeback this year. We've not changed what we do. We're confident in what we do. We're confident in the process. And that's, that's prob- for me, that's been the key, just sticking to it and, um, and going from there. How hard is it? If I don't know if you have had, but the subscribers, people that uh, subscribe to your service, if they're, you know, asking you questions and the only thing you can really give them back is just you have to wait. And especially for those people who maybe they just subscribe to you because, you know, that, that maybe they're, you know, not really that into betting at all in terms of like, you know, making it a profession or anything like that. They're just doing it for a hobby on the side and they don't understand how the betting markets work. I mean, most of the general public get fed so much crap about that this, you know, this is like a, a thing 
yeah. if you do it full time, that you're probably going to win every week and there's never going to be any losses. If there is a loss, you know, it'll only be for a couple of days and, you know, <laughs> you're getting to the stage now where you're going six, seven months without or running at a loss for those six, seven months. Like how hard is it to explain to people and have you had any had any fun conversations with people who are getting quite irate? <laughs> No, we've not had to have uh, any conversations. I think we've got some some great subscribers uh, who, who kind of understand the the variance in golf. Um, I think the other thing to say is that you know we've had quite a few bad breaks uh, this year where things just haven't gone our way, uh, and you you can see that you know the rationale behind the selections has been good. Um, it just hasn't worked out for whatever reason. You know, I, I think that Matthew Jordan. Uh, I think in Qatar was a great example where uh, we selected him at the start of the week at 80 to 1 he was leading I think he was two ahead with maybe nine holes to go eight holes to go uh, and he was playing a par five uh, and, and lost his ball now bear in mind that you know it's a televised event the final round of a of a DP World Tour event and the leader loses his ball you know it's just unheard of uh, that that happens there's, you know there's crowd well I know it was in Qatar uh, so the crowds weren't as as big as normal but, you know, normally there's crowds about, the cameras are there, they can tell exactly when a ball's gone. Um, and, you know, freak things like that just seem to kind of befall us this year. Uh, and, and people understand, I think, that when things like that happen, that's just bad luck uh, mm. and it will turn. Um, so, no, we've been we've been really lucky that our subscribers are great. They've, they've stuck by us, they've kept the faith uh, and hopefully, you know, that they've been rewarded with the results in the last few weeks. And hopefully we'll go on to finish the season strong. Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Because you guys could, let's just say the first six months, you guys could be running at a loss. And then you could just have one weekend where maybe you get a couple of each way guys and you, and you back the winner at 150 or something like that. And you could go from a negative 5% ROI to like a, a plus 10, 15% just in like yeah. in one weekend. So it's... uh. Yeah, it's it's just it's a crazy, crazy sport, and and it shows it, it highlights the importance of sticking to whatever processes work for you over the years, and also staking. Like you can't be you can't be going up and down with your stakes. It needs to be a strict staking plan for the for the whole year. You know, don't try and don't vary it because you're losing lots, or or don't up it because you're winning lots. You need to. You need to say stay so strict with that. Was this was this the um was this the longest period you guys have have gone of of negative results? Yeah, I think it's I think it's the only period really. Um, the first year was incredibly successful, and I think we got off to a slightly slow start in 2021. But we're only talking about four or five weeks before we we got into profit and stayed in profit for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a definitely a challenging experience for us, but. Also, one that, that that we can definitely learn from, and um, if we do start slow again, there'll be there'll be less panicking, I think, and we, we know that we can come back from it, and uh, we we've, we've proved that this year, and um, the results over the course of the two to three years that we've been existing speak for themselves, and I think um, just to come back to you when you were talking about the subscribers, uh, have we had any you know problems this year? Uh, I don't think so, but I think I think the majority of our subscribers have been with us for at least over a year now, so they've seen they've seen the rewards as well as 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 the low the low points earlier in the season. Um, so now nah, it's it'll, it'll be fine. I think I think we'll finish the season in 
and profit. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, last question, fellas. For from each of you, it'd be great to know if if you know maybe people out there who are passionate golf fans, you know, watch every weekend, but you know they can't back a winner or they um, they've just got no idea how the betting markets work. How, how you know, similar to you guys when you had a massive passion for golf back in the day. What kind of advice would you give to them, other than following Golf Betting Club, on how to how to turn their passion of of golf into into an edge in betting and, and something that they can sustain long term? So I think the thing for me was that or, or how I got into golf betting in the first place was uh, there was a book that was written by a man called Keith Elliott uh, when we were growing up. Uh, I think uh, well, it was called Elliott's Golf Form. Um, but it was it was almost like a golf betting bible. Uh, it had you know this is pre-internet. Now we're talking. This was uh, a book that contained all the results uh, from events from the previous year, and then it had player profiles um, on. It must have been at least a couple of hundred golfers. Uh, you know, it talked about their strengths, their weaknesses. Uh, you know, what kind of events uh, they're going to do well in, and and I think really that's that's kind of what I would recommend, not obviously go out and get the book because the book doesn't exist anymore, but learn about players, learn as much as you can about players. And, and if, you've only, if you're limited for time, you know, focus on one tour. Uh, you don't have to cover both tours. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're strapped for time uh, with the DP World Tour on during the day here in the UK, uh, the PGA Tour is on in the evening. So, you know, if you're, if you're working a nine to five job, focus on the PGA Tour, learn uh, the players that compete on the PGA Tour, learn their strengths, learn their weaknesses. Um, and for me, that's that's the key for me, is that if you can understand uh, the players as, as much as possible, that gives you a fighting chance to go ahead and, and take advantage of any opportunities. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just learn as much as you can. There's so much... Uh, uh, quotes and and you know information out there about the players these days that there's no excuse not to know lots about the players uh, and if you put in the time you will be rewarded yeah and you neil yeah I, th- I think i think the word you've just said there time that 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 is the main thing with golf betting it's not it's not as cut and dry as as a football match where you need to study the two teams um it does take time to develop the knowledge of the players um if if you're short on time, you know, you just have to subscribe to us or something or go on our website and look at our player profiles. Um, but but no, it, it's not really a sport that you can just jump into without putting a lot of time and effort and, and doing your research and watching a lot of events to get a, to get a feel for the players and how they, re, they react under pressure and stuff like that. So, yeah. Unfortunately, there's no shortcut. I can I can really advise. <laughs> <laughs> nah, terrific, fellas. It's been it's been a pleasure talking to you and learning all about how you guys go about your business. You've been hugely successful, so I'm sure people will get a a lot out of this. Do you guys just want to quickly mention? Yeah, maybe just talk a little bit about your service, how it operates, and, and where people can find your service. Yeah, so you can, if you go on the website, so that's golfbettingclub.com. Uh, you'll find details about how to subscribe uh, for the the service there. Uh, you can subscribe for the rest of 2022 for only £75 uh, at the moment. So that will take you right up. I think it's till the end of November. Uh, you So you get a couple of months out of that. And then the new subscription will start in 2023. Uh, but on the website, you'll find the player profiles that Neil just mentioned. So we've got over 150 player profiles on there. Uh, and that'll that'll give you good information about a lot of the main players 
Uh, so if you are strapped for time, that'd be a really great place to start. You know, go and learn about the players there. And that's all free. You don't have to subscribe uh, to access the player profiles. We give those away uh, for nothing. Uh, and they're updated every week. So they're they're relatively up to date. Um, and then we also give away in-play tips uh, for free every week as well. So although we charge for the pre-event tips and you have to subscribe for them, that's the £75 uh, for the rest of the year, we give away the in-play tips uh, completely free and we do an in-play blog every week as well. So when the uh, the relevant event on the PGA Tour or the DP World Tour starts, uh, if you go on to golfbettingclub.com, you can click on the relevant event and you'll find our in-play tips after each round as well. And as I say, they're completely free. Yeah, no, terrific stuff. I guess if people are a bit strict for money at the moment, then uh, yeah, definitely jump on and follow some of your in-play blogs. So I've uh, yeah, followed a few of them and, and gotten a few winners myself. So yeah, I mean, for free, it's, a, it's an absolute bargain. So well done, fellas. Uh, thanks for coming on and thanks everyone for, for listening at home. If this is your first time or 10th time on the podcast, if you could please do a quick rate and review of the podcast. It would help us a lot and subscribe to us on YouTube, wherever you're listening from. But uh, yeah, pleasure having you on, fellas, and, and good luck with the rest of the year. Um, it's uh, I, don't, I don't know how you guys do it. It's, it's, it would just be such a stressful sport for me, for me <laughs> if, I, if I was you guys. But uh, you're doing a terrific job, so keep it up. Thanks, Alex. Enjoy, Thanks for having us. Enjoyed being on.